update on First Lady and Friends. Uh, we're playing an episode of when Spencer and I interviewed Carrie and Sean Bradley at the One Utah Summit. It was an incredible conversation about perseverance, about getting through hard times, about mental health struggles, uh, about blending a family together. We had such a wonderful conversation. I hope you enjoyed as much as we did. Let's get proximate. So, Sean, talk about how you're doing. Well, let me, let me touch a little bit on strength and wisdom directly first. That's the model that Carrie's been living by her entire life. I mean, her story, which you might get a little bit of tonight, isn't all, you know, rainbows and uniforms. It, it, it's difficult. And we all have stuff. All of us do. We all go through certain things in our lives, and, and they make us who we are. And, and Carrie, from long before I ever met her, has been strangely grateful for those moments. She never want to do them again, but she's grateful that they made her who she is. And I came into the picture and just kind of stole it from her because I thought it was great. Um, but, you know, personally, look, I, get every, I get up every day and have to decide if I'm going to have a good day or not. You know, going from a professional athlete to being back in a chair isn't the funnest experience, to be honest. But not just for me, but the people around me. I mean, Nice to throw her on my shoulders, jump in the pool, we travel all over, we have some fun, mess with the kids. You know, I carry uh, as a teenage son, he's actually on a mission now, but he brought four of his friends over one day and wanted to take me out in the backyard. I'm like, let's go. And I had them all pinned on the backyard, and they're like, no, this isn't fair. I'm like, well, grow up. So we just we just try to be positive the best we can, and yeah, obviously there's moments where she'll duck into the closet and you know shed a few tears and just just contemplate life for a minute. And there's times where you know I do the same, where it, it it gets heavy, it gets tough. But being that together and knowing that we have each other's back most of the time um, is helpful. Thank you. I I want to go. I want to, Carrie, I want you to talk a little about it. We, you, uh, Sean alluded to it. Um, we, you know, Sean's been in the public eye. We've seen his career. We've seen things that happen. Um, you've talked about being strangely grateful in your own way and, and even before you met and the things that you, so talk a little bit about your background. I know you grew up in California. Um, and then just talk a little bit about maybe some of those, those trials that made you strangely grateful. Absolutely. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, there, there I am. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, um, I grew up in California. We moved to Utah. My parents divorced, like a lot of people, you know, and so it started from a young age, just trying to be grateful for the little things. I was grateful I had two super involved parents, and and two that, I mean, they never bad talked to each other. They never, it was really the best situation of a hard thing. But, um, so that, you know, carried into my adult life, I get married, and um, marriage isn't always what it thinks or what, what people think it is. It's, um, there were some hardships in that first marriage, and we just call it the last chapter, and um, there was a lot of abuse and different things, and um, that's when Strangely Grateful really started kind of manifesting itself, because I would never want to go through it again, I could never go through it again, I would never want to put kids, kids through it again, but I look at it now, and every day I have to think of something positive, or how do you get through something? And a lot of times in culture and neighborhoods and different places, you put on your smile, and 
everything's it's hunky-dory and everything's great, and it's not something physical that you can see necessarily sometimes, and um, you still try to try to maintain the, the, you know, the look of what you're supposed to look like. So Surgically Grateful really came from, I just needed to find something positive to get through what I was going through, and now I look back and it's helped us through so many things through life. I mean, even the kids, it's you know, brought us more aware of people's needs. We can, you know, there's certain situations where it'll trigger something, and we're like, oh, wait, that person is going through something, and we can actually help. And it's, I don't know how else to describe it other than just strangely grateful. We're so grateful for, for those things because there's so many things in our neighborhoods, in our cultures, in our families that people don't talk about. And it has to, it's almost taboo, it's just so negative. But we want to bring light, if we can, to those hard things so that people can see there's light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, I'm proof, he's proof. There's, you can get through hard things. Thank you. Uh, we, just just a little bit of background. Um, so some of you know that we, we just created um, uh, and hired on July 1st, a, a new director. We, we hired, a, we, we created an office of family. Um, and, and the whole idea is that uh, that we're worried about the institution of family and what's happening to our families as we, we continue to, to be under attack and, and making sure that we're getting resources to help families in, in whatever way possible. And, and we're not just talking about like the perfect family. In fact, um, some of you know Amy Winter Newton, who is our new director of, of the Office of Family, and, and she and I were talking one day and, and specifically about what, what you just mentioned, this idea that um, every family has challenges. Um, on the outside, we may look perfect. And she and I both compared notes about our own families. And uh, like, you know, we have this perfect family picture and we send it out on Christmas cards and we post it on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and we look great. And then we talked about all the individual problems that we have in both of our families. And if, if we kind of wore those around, um, it, it, it may be helpful. Um, yeah, people would look at us differently, I think, if we did that. And you mentioned some you could see. So it is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and we're really trying to shine a light on this. And we know that we have far too much domestic violence in Utah. You, you talked about abuse and how, how much of a struggle that is. Um, can, can, you, can you just share any recommendations you would have for families or especially women that may be struggling with abuse right now? Yeah, in fact, I, you know, it's becoming more talkable now. It's becoming better. <laughs> <laughs> I like hearing my voice. <laughs> we like hearing your voice a lot. You know, it's becoming more um, talkable, if that makes sense. Um, I think someone, someone really close to me had given me advice. Again, you know, I say everything happens for a reason. Every every person is put in your life for a certain reason at a certain time. And um, one particular individual had said, you know, to to make sure that you're okay. So I was I was more worried not about survival or not about you know myself, but are the kids gonna be okay? Are they gonna get out of it okay? You know, is this gonna start a pattern that's gonna be carried on forever? And you know, and there's all sorts of kinds of abuse. It's you know, there's physical, there's mental, there's psychological. And I just, I wanted to stop that. So um, he said, actually, it was a bishop who was also a, um, a counselor, said, you know, grab two friends in each of the front, in each of your friend groups, just two people that you can rely on, and um, 
and share your story with them. So that way, because I didn't want to, I don't want to blab it out there. I don't want to, you know, ruin people's names. I don't want to. I wish everybody the, the happiest lives possible. But, um, but just two people, so two people in my family, two people in different friend groups, and there were two teachers for my kids that were really close, um, just just to kind of keep an eye on things and know what's going on so if something was looking off, because sometimes you don't see those those triggers or those, those points where, yeah, that something's off. And I think, you know, there is light at the end of the tunnel. I, I think just... Keep trying to be positively saying living candy land, but it's a place of survival for me. That you know, at the end of the day, hard things look for one positive thing. It's you know, there's okay, there's a marathon I ran, and I met this cute little girl from Idaho, and she said, You know what? The last couple miles, think about what doesn't hurt. You know, one strand of hair doesn't hurt, one toenail doesn't hurt. <laughs> Just look for one little thing. And it's amazing how far that goes. It sounds cheesy, but hang on to one friend or one one person you trust, one happy. Thank you. I uh, we ran the St. George Marathon once. It was my that was my last marathon. So it was, uh, <laughs> my first one too. Um, and everything hurt, every strand of hair, and I don't have many. Every tongue out there. Uh, that's so you had a different experience than I did. Uh, but but thank you. I, for talking about it. I think just the willingness to have this conversation is so important. And, and there are resources available um, and, and more and more are coming. I appreciate our good Lieutenant Governor who's specifically working on this issue. Um, she lost a cousin recently to domestic violence. So thank you for your your, your willingness to, to talk about this. Well, I, think it's, I think it's important that, that people take from what she has just said that it's almost impossible to do it alone. You need somebody to help you through these things, and whether it's a close friend in that friend group, or, or someone in the church, or someone in the family that knows your story, that you can not have to go into the closet and bang your head against it, and you know, tuck up into your clothes, and you know, cry yourself to sleep on the floor, because we know that happens, and that might happen with someone in this room right now. We we don't know, and we don't need to know, but that they need to know that that you can get through it, you can get through it with, with help. And there are places to turn, that it's not this black hole of, of despair that, that you can't get out of. Because I don't know many times she thought that. And the only reason I know it is because that's what she shared with me. That's what the kid you shared with me. Um, and I look at it and go, man, I am so blessed to have had her survive that so that we could find together and go through this new path. But it, it's nearly impossible to do it all. Um, I know that through through uh, my every time I um, do something hard, I think back to my childhood um, as as a rancher's daughter and ranching and doing the doing the farm work and, and the really tough work of of getting up early, staying out late after a ball game, coming home, feeding cows and horses and and sheep. As you know, after I probably I yeah, sheep are the worst. They really are. <laughs> we had it all. But I but I would go, you know, probably over to Emory, playing a ball game, came back over and you know Yeah. No. And they came back and stand But a lot of sheep in Fairview. Uh, but I but I those are lessons I always draw on because when things get really hard, I think I, I've done really hard things. I learned how to do something when I really didn't feel like doing it. So I know that you and I share this similar um, experience and upbringing, and minus the sheep, and uh, 
and wondered how through all your life, but but you know, especially in the last little while, like what kinds of lessons do you draw on from, from your childhood and your background to, wow. to maybe overcome some of the stuff you're doing now? You know, I, I value the way I grew up very highly. I mean I shoot. <laughs> when things would get tough in the NBA and I'd, I'd be struggling a little bit here and there in practice, I would just look at the teammates. I'm like, I guarantee not one of these guys got up at five o'clock and went to the <laughs> I knew that. And then went to school and then went to the church and played ball with my dad and his friends and then went to school and came back and milked the cow and did the chores and the horses and the chicken and everything else. And then shot hoops until you couldn't see anymore and parked the tractor with one light because all the other little girls so you could see a little bit. And then mom screaming at you, come in the house, you can't sleep because you hear the ball bouncing back. Yeah, I mean, growing up on a ranch, growing up on a farm, it's a 24 7, 365 commitment. So whether I'm playing baseball, whether I'm playing basketball, or going to school, when I got home, the ranch was waiting. And that cow needed to be milked. We only had one, so I did it by hand. <laughs> um, and then all the, the rest of the, the beef cattle had to be taken care of, horses had to be taken to, all of that stuff. And, and I think there's great, that was my upbringing, that was my thing that helped me go through hard things and realize when I was on a mission, for the church that I could do hard things there. After that, it turned into, you know, going through the NBA and doing that things and, you know, first marriage that, that failed. And then having that be a hard thing. And then finding the love of my life and starting down this new path. And then having this happen, okay, we can we can do hard things. But it all kind of built up and has led us to where we are and, and we'll keep going. Well, and you are going. I, you, there's so many threads I want to pull on here and talk about. But, but let's let's talk about about that last one. So, so you two come together, and uh, you you have a family, and you have a family, and now we're bringing those families together, right? So, uh, when I was when I was ten, my parents got divorced, and uh, my my dad married my stepmom. I lived with my dad. She had three kids, and my dad had three kids, and then they had two kids together. So we were trying to figure all of that messiness out. And again, something that we didn't talk much about in, in Utah, right? I always remember. Um, I remember there was a, there was a time when I was uh, um, I, I was in middle school. And we had like middle school graduation, and they they listed all of the kids and, and then their parents. And I remember having this thought, like that you would see, like oh, there are two sets of parents with with those kids. This is back in the eighties, right? And uh, they were kind of the kids that were in trouble a lot of the time. And I remember when my parents got divorced. I remember thinking like. Oh, I guess I'm a bad kid now. Like I'm one of those kids, right? And there were just all of these issues that we had to work through and deal with. Um, can, can you talk about either one, both of you, about blending families and those challenges? It sounds like some successes. If your if your stepson's coming home with his four friends and you're wrestling them in the backyard, um, that's a good sign. That means the blending is happening. But it's a good thing. But it wasn't good for them. <laughs> I love that. I love that. His wingspan is, or his arm span is as tall as him. So if they can get out of seven foot six, they're golden. <laughs> yeah, they, they, uh, very early on, I remember we were at a gas station and, and, and your son tried to pull one on me and I reached around the barn and grabbed him and he shot that. I reached out. <laughs> couldn't get out of the way. So. so it's true. I mean, there is there's a stigma, and I remember even myself getting divorced. 
And it's that stigma of, oh, well, your parents got divorced, and now you're divorced. And, and you know, on that, you start thinking, okay, now how's that going to keep keep going through the generations? And how's that going to look? And how are the kids going to feel about that? And, you know, because we know how we felt. Um, but blending, we actually got really lucky initially. At the beginning, um, when, we, when we first met, I had my boys full time, and Carrie had her three full time. And we, um, we decided that we love to travel. And so we took our kids and moved to Australia. Not everyone can do that, right? But we moved to Australia for a semester and put them in school and said, you guys are going to learn to get along in a foreign country, hopefully make some friends, but we're just going to be us here and kind of force them to figure it out. And so for the first, you know, six months, yeah, first year that kind of happens. And then, and then life sets in and, and decisions get made. Well, I don't like the rules here. I'm going to live with mom and like, no, we're not going to play that game. Um, and so we had, we tried, we tried to create an environment where healing could happen because the worst are messy. I don't care how good they can be, they're messy. Well, our kids and my kids needed, needed to heal from that. So what we tried to do is just create an environment for that healing to happen. Some of them have taken advantage of it, some of them haven't, even to this day, which, you know, we're not going to change the environment that, that we're trying to create for that healing to happen. And the important part of that, too, is um, we let them make a choice. We didn't say, you know what, you're living with us because we think we're better. You're living with, you know, we let them choose. And, you know, now a little bit, as they get older, they see what those choices, what consequences of those choices are. You know, we want to be this type of person or we want to be this type of person. And on both sides, we didn't, we didn't let them have a choice like this month, that month. But no, it's like, look, you're going to live with us. You're going to live with them. Stick with that choice. We'll support you. Come visit, whatever. But that was the way we, we chose to do it. And it, we've been happy with it. I mean, there's been some heartache. And there's no perfect family. No perfect way. No, there's no perfect family. Perfect family is one of chaos and craziness that we just kind of figure out how to get through it. You know, not the one on the Christmas card, because that one's. That's just not real. And one of the things I love about Karen, when we first got together, we were real. I mean, we were honest, open, real with each other. And, and she's like, look, I, I'm, I'm looking for a guy that does this and this. And if you're not that, then see you later. I'm like, well, that's easy. That's black and white. I can do that. <laughs> nice. Thank you. And, and, and again, thank you for your vulnerability. You're willing to talk about this. Because again, we know that everyone's struggling with something. Uh, but, but also that, that our, our private lives and our public lives are, are intimately intertwined, right? It's, it's impossible to extricate those, those two. So, um, so, so one day you go out on a bike ride, and your bike's bigger than everybody else's bike. Yeah. Yes. And uh, car bumps you, you hit a parked car, you flip over, you're laying flat out on the ground, and you don't remember anything, but you, you wake up and things aren't moving the way they're supposed to move. So I'm laying on, on the pavement, I'm laying up against the car, the car tires right here on my shoulder. And I'm, at the moment, I was like in the middle of my eyes. And I'm looking up, and I felt like a horse was sitting on my chest. And I've had that happen before, so I know what that feels like, right? You can't breathe very well. Um, by, by the way, in the special, there's one quick photograph of you on a horse. As, as a team, I had to rewind it. I'm like, I've never seen stirrups that extend that far. It's like, I mean, we are almost touching the ground on that horse. So I've been bucked off several times, but it's a lot farther down for me. Yeah, that's, that's true. 
but you feel like there's a horse in your chest. I didn't mean yeah, to. Yeah, no, no, no. So, so I, I could bear. I, I couldn't breathe, and, and my, the first thing that goes through my head was was Carrie. I, I said, call Carrie, my wife, and I gave the number, and then I'm like, the reason I'm so adamant about that is I didn't know how much time I had left. I genuinely thought because I couldn't hardly breathe, I couldn't move a muscle. The only thing I could move was my eyes, and I'm thinking, are these my last moments? I don't want to spend them with nobody or or with these strangers. I, I wanted my wife next to me. As hard as I might have been on her, I just felt it was important that we be together at that moment. And luckily, there was a run, Jerry. There's a run. It was a beautiful January day in St. George, and we decided to. I heard one run, we went on a bike ride, kids were all taken care of and doing their things, and we're like, a rare moment that we could both do that, and so. Hey, can I say, that was the only moment we had had since we've been married, and we've never taken another moment again. That's true. But uh, one of the sweet things that Terry's always done is that she sees sirens, or hears sirens, or sees flashing lights. So it's positive with the kids, and they say a prayer for those people. Just to pray that they can be okay. And so she heard the sirens. And she said her little prayer. And then a couple minutes later, there was a big knock on the door. And she thought it might be the UPS man or something like that. But it ended up being her neighbor and, and a random guy that saw the accident and was coming to get her. Um, and then, then all craziness broke through that point. By the time she got there, I was able to shrug my shoulders a little bit. Um, but then they strapped me onto a board and, and an hour later, I was in surgery. And, the next six months in the hospital trying to figure out. Six months? Yeah, in the hospital, six months. It took two months to figure out how to fix apparatuses for me to do rehab. <laughs> seven and a half feet doesn't translate to average size. <laughs> Bless that hospital. Yeah. The hospital is amazing. <laughs> they did a wonderful job. I, I want to talk a little bit about, um, we, we've addressed a lot of statements in a lot of my work and working um, in the area of mental health, especially with our youth. Um, again, we're being real, and and if we're, if we're going to help things, if we're going to make things better, we have to talk about mental health. Sure. We have to stop um, separating mental health and physical health. So talk a little bit, maybe both of you, about um, you know how these struggles, how you've kept your mental health intact, and maybe sometimes you haven't. But let's just talk a little bit about that, maybe the mental health journey. <laughs> um, you know what, yeah, no, that is it's something that needs to be talked about again, for sure. And there are times, I mean, in previous chapters of our lives, and especially now, that um, it's not possible to not let your mind go to different places. It's, it's, it's hard. Life is hard. I don't care if you're in a, a, an abusive situation or in an accident, or if you're just dealing with kids or job situations. Um, we've tried, I've tried really hard to help the kids realize um, just to be aware of others and be kind because you don't know what anyone else is going through. There's, there's no way you can strip down every layer of you know, the whole facade of, because it is, it's, there's, I can tell you, we just, got a door fixed and our upstairs and I kicked down because, you know, I mean, there's, there's, to be real, I mean, the, yeah. <laughs> 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 that's why I'm saying that we're so excited. The guys came to fix it, we're like, wait, you did this whole crack in one kick? 
put on our happy faces and we can try, we can be positive, as positive as we can, but the mental side of it is overpowering. And it's between faith, family, friends, we're down if we need to. I mean, it's, those are just temporal things, you know? Thank you. The, um, the mental health is it's so, it's unique to each individual. It can be that unique, more unique than our fingerprints, because we all handle it, we all see it, we all deal with it, we all have it different ways. And I think the first part of it is acknowledging, right? I mean, I, I have to get up every day, and I've said this multiple times, and make a choice of whether I'm going to try to have a good day or just let the crap happen and, and dwell in the negative. And there are times where that thought comes in, well, there's so much that so many people have to do for me. Maybe it'd be better if I wasn't around. Those thoughts happen, and they're real. And you know what? I've learned that it's okay to have those thoughts. What you do with them is the important part of moving forward. But to have those thoughts, that's normal, and that's okay. And you gotta, I, I think we have to acknowledge that. There's times where I don't care, he's frustrated, and, and kicks in the door. Or probably pictured my head, you know, as the door, which is fine. I can, I can deal with that. Yeah, see, now, um, but we all have those moments where frustration, depression, and it might not be as much depression as frustration a lot of times, but we're just not sure how to deal with it. But, but we can. And, and on the other side of that, even if we're in a difficult situation, when you smile at someone that you don't know, you don't know the power of that smile. You don't know the power of the acknowledgement of someone there. Um, or, or more publicly, you know, we, we did the special, hoping that people would see that you can go through hard things and be okay. That maybe that touches someone that's in a difficult situation. They go, you know what? Maybe, maybe I can too. But those terrible and simple acts of kindness that whether it's a hug or giving someone a candy bar or a, a, you know, a treat just randomly on the street. There's so many times we're walking, not rolling, um, down the sidewalk and all of a sudden Carrie's disappeared and I'm like asking kids, where'd she go? And I realized I just passed over the convenience store, she's buying a sandwich from Gateway to get to the homeless guy that I didn't even see. You know, being aware of others, I think is another part of that mental health that we can do a much better job as a society to, to help curb the mental illness by just being kind. Well, and being aware too, because it is help, it's healthy to have frustrating feelings. I mean, that is absolutely healthy. So we're, we're about out of time. Last question, this is a rapid one. Um, first of all, let, let me thank you for your vulnerability, for your willing to have these conversations. Um, it, it, this, you've lived in the public, Sean, you've been in public spotlight for a long time. Right. I mean, I went to your games in high school. I went to your games in college. Saw you play in the NBA. Um, we all followed your whole career. So you've had this very public image for forever, and uh, and, and now Carrie, you're thrust into this, right? So, um, but but using this platform that you have to talk about these issues will, I believe, save lives and change lives for the better. And, and I, I want to thank you for that. But I want to give you an opportunity, just as we end here, um, just any anything you would like to share from this journey, your relationship, the working together, um, anything you would like people to leave today knowing about you and, and about them. 
one thing, we just want to thank everybody for prayers. I don't, I don't care what faith, what, what you believe in, what, but we've always, as you know, as a couple, as a family, prayed for different people individually, but we've never felt the prayers. Um, I've been on the other side of that, if that makes sense, but the reciprocants of it, like we have now. So just in general, we're so grateful to everybody, anybody, for prayers, for thoughts, for those dog weeks, because it's what helps us survive. Yeah. I agree. You couldn't have said better than that. Awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in thanking the rabbit. We would love you to get involved in the One Utah Summit any way you would like to. Find out more information at oneutahsummit.com. Thanks for being a friend.